Chapter Twelve of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, a Herald of the Cross, by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter Twelve The Chosen and the Accursed. Judas of Damascus was a just man. Not only was he held so to be by his fellow countrymen, but he was respected and even feared by all the Syrians, Greeks, Romans, and other Gentiles with whom he had dealings in a commercial way. No one could regret more sincerely than did Judas the hard necessity of coming into contact with the accursed, in even the most casual manner. But business was business in Damascus, as elsewhere. And if holiness unto the Lord was the best thing in the world, certainly the next unto it in point of desirability was to be possessed of shekels in abundance. A man might be never so holy and yet be clothed in rags, which was assuredly an evil thing. To be holy, to be blameless after the law, and at the same time to be rich, was to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like Saul and Solomon and David. Not that Judas openly compared himself with the patriarchs and kings of old, but the thing was obvious even to the dullest comprehension. If a man was prospered in his business, God was with him. The scriptures taught it, and Judas, being rich and prosperous, thoroughly believed it. Why then was it that the face of this good man should be downcast and gloomy? He had just brought to successful issue a transaction which, while it would assuredly impoverish the short-sighted Gentile with whom it had been concluded, would just as assuredly bring a goodly sum into the strong-box of the astute Judas. Moreover, he had since thoroughly cleansed both his conscience and his hands by a vast deal of ceremonial washing. Even the robe which he had worn had been duly purified according to the law from all polluting contact. Clean without and within, triumphant over lawlessness and idolatry, why did not peace irradiate the countenance of the just and prosperous Judas? Alas, in this present evil world there is ever some trial to buffet even the very elect. In accordance with his comprehensive yet simple code of ethics, Judas was wont to set down all such mental and bodily disquietude to the active interference of the evil one. All was well with man, he would say piously, till the devil tempted the woman in the Garden of Eden. Through the deplorable folly of woman came all manner of evil into the world, and so, alas, hath it ever remained, for the devil, having once obtained favor in the eyes of woman, hath not ceased through her to plague all the sons of Adam unto this present day. These reflections which he had heretofore indulged with the peaceful calm of a philosopher had been brought to his mind with unaccustomed poignancy on this very morning. He had come upon his wife in the great court of the household, just in time to see her bestow a goodly loaf of barley bread upon a ragged, unkempt woman, whose speech and countenance but too clearly betrayed the accursed Gentile. "'May the Father of all the gods bless thee!' cried the woman, the tears coursing down her thin cheeks. "'My little ones are starving. Another evening would have seen them lying stark and cold. But now, thanks be to the merciful Diana!' who have softened thy heart according to my prayer, they shall live and not die. Nay, good friend, say not so. 
replied the wife of Judas, her dark eyes glistening with sympathy. It was for the love of Jesus of Nazareth, who also gave himself for the sins of the world, that I have had compassion upon thee. Pray no more to the false gods, I beseech thee, but unto Jehovah, the Eternal One, and to Jesus Christ, his well-beloved Son. Judas stood as if turned to stone. He could scarce believe the evidence of his unwilling ears. I will pray to thy God, lady, if only to please thee, cried the beggar woman, sinking to her knees. But I will also kiss the hem of thy garment, since thou art blessed even as one beloved of the gods. Hold, dog! cried a rancorous voice from behind. Lay not thine accursed hand upon a daughter of Abraham. Then, quite forgetting himself in his holy wrath, Judas advanced with uplifted hand towards the beggar, who, pallid and trembling, still clasping the precious loaf to her breast, cowered before him as abject and wretched an object as could perhaps be found within the four walls of Damascus. Get thee gone, vile heathen, he continued in a tone which caused the half-dozen maids and men who were staring open-mouthed at the spectacle to glance apprehensively at their mistress. Drop the loaf. No morsel of mine shall nourish the viperous brood of a Gentile. But at this his wife laid her hand upon his arm. I gave the bread, my lord, she said in a low voice. It shall not be taken from her. Go, my poor woman, and peace go with thee. Judas turned upon the speaker, his breath coming short in his fury. I have also somewhat to say unto thee, woman, he said. Attend me in the inner house. The beggar, released from the spell of his wrathful eyes, made haste to slink away through the open doorway into the street, followed by the contemptuous glances of the servants. "'Good Diana,' she gasped, "'if yonder man be a worshipper of the God of the Jews, I cannot pray to him as I promised. He is too awful. But do thou have mercy on the lady, for she hath need of succor at this moment.' If there was either terror or remorse in the heart of the Lady Rachel, as she followed her husband into the inner court of the mansion, it was not evident to the curious eyes of the servants. The mild serenity of her gracious brow remained quite unruffled, and if her eyes still glistened with tears, they were but the tears of angelic pity with which she had regarded the wretched object of her compassion. The wife of Judas was a tall woman, tall and large, with a certain gracious and majestic amplitude of figure. All of her movements were deliberate. She spoke little, smiled less, and laughed not at all. Yet there breathed forth from her presence such a sweet and tranquilizing serenity, such a tender and soul-satisfying warmth, that I know not unto what to liken her. She was most perhaps like the brooding light of a day in August, when all is complete, finished, all the sharp anxiety and stress of spring, all the lusty haste and laughing tumult of early summer, the harvest fields rest in golden peace, the clusters purple slowly in the shade of the drowsy leaves, and over all the silent sunshine lies like a benediction. Judas was forced by reason of the smallness of his stature to look up when he addressed the stately Rachel, an attitude little suited to towering fury and scathing denunciation. On this occasion, therefore, he bade her sit that he might the better pour out upon her the vials of his righteous indignation. For some moments he kept silence, pacing rapidly up and down, and plucking savagely at his scanty beard. The Lady Rachel regarded him steadily, 
her large eyes beaming with anxious affection. Thou art disquieted, my lord, she said at length, because I have bestowed an alms upon the Gentile woman. Disquieted, snarled Judas, stopping short and fixing his ferret-like eyes upon her. Disquieted, and his voice rose to a shrill wail. God of Abraham, in what have I offended, that the flesh of my flesh, the bone of my bone, hath presumed to rise up against me? Mine house is polluted, mine ears have listened to wicked words. Fetch ashes that I may strew them upon my beard, and bitter waters that I may drink thereof. Then his tone changed suddenly. Of whom hast thou learned to prate of Jesus of Nazareth? Who taught thee the foul blasphemy of calling a crucified malefactor the son of Jehovah? And when didst thou see the righteous give alms to an idolater? Answer. I will answer thee right gladly, my lord, replied the lady, a shadowy smile touching her lips with sweetness. I learned the things whereof thou hast spoken of the rabbi Saul, who also was a guest in our house when first he came up from Jerusalem. To thee also is it known how that he was rebuked of the Lord in a vision, as he approached Damascus for to make havoc of them which believe. Surely thou art not ignorant that for many months now he hath spoken, both in the synagogue and elsewhere, convincing many. I have known, yes, broke in Judas rudely, that the man Saul, who was smitten with an evil spirit, and driven by it into the wilderness for a space, hath returned, and that he hath plagued the synagogues with his foul ravings. But hast thou heard? Nay, I have not heard. I will not hear, nor shalt thou again listen to the devil possessed. He shall be dealt with after the law. Alas, I have been remiss in my duty, and because of it I am made ashamed in mine own house. Thou art a woman, and therefore Satan hath had easy mastery over thee. But a sin offering shall be made for thee, that thou mayest yet be restored." But I declare to thee, my lord, that I believe in my heart what the man hath proclaimed. He is not mad. He hath convinced many, not women only, but Reuben and Isaac the son of Nun, and— What is it that thou art saying? exclaimed Judas aghast. But hold, I must look into this matter. Go thou into thine own apartments, put sackcloth upon thy body and ashes upon thine head, and humble thyself before Jehovah. Neither eat nor drink nor have speech with thy maidens till I shall give thee leave. For I am a just man, and holiness to the Lord is written upon the lintels of my doors. The Lady Rachel bowed her head. Behold, she said solemnly, I will fast and pray for the peace of Israel and for the salvation of this house. The day following, Ananias sat in the garden of his house, reading as was his wont at the noontide hour from the books of the law. His face was troubled, and he sighed now and again as he read. I fear me that we do evil in the sight of God, and that we remain within the walls of this place, he said at length, lifting his eyes to the face of his wife, who sat near him, her hands peacefully employed with the distaff. It is not enough that we keep ourselves a separate people. We ought to come out from among them, even as it is commanded. The women of the accursed come into our synagogues, and their children mingle with the children of the chosen in the marketplaces and in the streets. But if by reason of so doing some be turned unto life, beloved, surely thou wilt rejoice, said Myra gently. It may be that God hath placed Israel even as leaven among the nations, till all shall be leavened with the righteousness which it hath pleased him to reveal alone to us 
his chosen. Then her eyes filled with sudden tears. It is a year, she said in a half whisper. Again they will force the children to dance before Baal. Why, oh why, can we not do something to save them? Surely a little child, whether born of Jew or Gentile, is but a little lower than the angels. Not so is it decreed in the law and in the prophets, said Ananias sternly. Behold, it is written that our God is a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. And this word of the law was spoken to Israel. If then God spare not the children of a sinning Israelite, how think you doth he look upon the offspring of idolaters, who for countless generations have not ceased from their abominations? And what also did the Lord command Israel concerning those nations which dwelt in the land of Canaan? Was it not to drive them out and to destroy them off the face of the earth? Both old men and maidens, children also and women, were our fathers commanded to put to the edge of the sword. Listen while I read to thee from the law. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, even seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy you suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. Amen and amen, said a deep voice from the entrance to the garden. This shall be. Yet must the purifying fire come from on high, even as it came in answer to the cry of Elijah, consuming the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust. Enter thou in, brother Saul, and may the blessing of Jehovah with which he hath blessed thee rest also upon me, and upon my household, said Ananias, rising. I would also speak with thee of something that concerns thee and thy welfare, and of this I am persuaded to speak with all boldness because of my love for thee. For many months now hast thou dwelt in Damascus, and thou hast without ceasing preached Jesus of Nazareth in every synagogue, convincing men that he was indeed and in truth the Christ of God. But in so doing thou hast raised up for thyself fierce enemies among the Jews. He paused a moment as if he scarce knew how to proceed. Saul, who had listened attentively to the words of his host, looked up with a quiet smile. Thinkest thou that I am not aware of it, he said? It is meet that I should suffer the things which also I laid upon others in times past. If I be persecuted, scourged, stoned even, as I preach the Christ, I shall count it but glory. Since if I bear these chastenings in my body with patience, I shall not only receive the reward of them hereafter, but now also in the flesh. For if in the flesh we do show forth the death of our Lord, we shall also show forth his life. I have read this day what thou art assuredly not ignorant of, continued Ananias, looking more and more troubled, how that all idolaters are an abomination unto the Lord of hosts, and yet thou dost declare that salvation shall come to the Gentiles. How then can this be? Was not the Christ foretold as the Savior of Israel? And can God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, change? 
if yesterday he hated the uncircumcised and pronounced against them anathema, how can he receive them today? How can his anger against them cease to burn? Nay, brother, it is because of these things that murmurings have risen against thee, and that even among them that believe on Jesus. It is written that the Lord regardeth not man, answered Saul gravely. All nations are the work of his hands. Moreover, it hath been shown me, not by flesh and blood, but through the revelation of God, that I am called to preach Christ to the Gentiles. All that hath happened in days past, and all that hath been written, both in the prophecies and in the law, shall be reconciled in Christ, for in him is God made manifest. The fire of God shall descend upon the heathen, and their altars shall be broken, and their groves shall be laid even with the ground, and their graven images also shall be utterly destroyed. For the fire of the Spirit shall be poured out upon all flesh, and in it shall all that is unworthy and unclean be purged away. Would that these things might be, murmured Ananias, turning over the leaves of parchment. But what dost thou say of the command, Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them? That word was spoken unto the children of Israel, children indeed, and in that they comprehended not the glory of God, nor the magnitude of his mercies. For they did continually turn unto strange gods, even making unto themselves a golden calf at the foot of Sinai, the mount that could not be touched because of the presence of the Almighty. But now we are no longer children, for unto us hath been plainly shown the wisdom and glory of God in Jesus Christ his Son, of whom also it is written, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to which shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And to Abraham did God promise, In thy seed shall all the kingdoms of the earth be blessed. Also in the book of Daniel it is written, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. All nations are kindred, said Myra softly. For all claim a common father, even the first created. I assented Saul, with a grave yet singularly beautiful smile. In Adam did all sin, and through sin came death into the world. Yet there is one, even Christ, who hath conquered death, and in him shall all that believe be made alive again. At the mention of that name the face of Ananias grew bright. I have heard that he himself declared this saying shortly before his death and that also in the presence of certain Gentiles who had sought him. I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. While he yet spoke, there came a sound of loud knocking at the outer portal, and one entered in who bore tidings of evil. There hath a plot been made to put Saul to death, cried the messenger when he had found his voice. Moreover, there be men posted at the city gates who will watch night and day that he escape not. And how is it that thou knowest of these things? asked Saul his quiet voice betraying neither fear nor anger. I am of the household of Judas, answered the man, and I stood without the door as my master and certain others of the Jews talked together. When I heard what things they plotted against thee, I hasted to bring thee word, lest thou shouldest fall into the pit which these have digged for thee. But alas, I know not how thy safety shall be assured. 
Nevertheless, I shall live and not die, said Saul confidently, for I have not yet accomplished that whereunto I am set apart. And when after sunset the thing became known unto others of them that believed, they gathered themselves together in the house of Ananias to consult as to what should be done. Some advised one thing and some another, and they were all afraid, neither could any think of a way out of the danger. Could he not escape by way of the walls? whispered Myra timidly in the ear of her husband, even if the gates be guarded. But how may that be, little one, since the walls are high, and moreover we have learned that there be men posted without who patrol the city? The night is dark, persisted Myra, and Ben Eli, thy kinsman, dwells in a house whose windows overhang the wall. But how? In this, perhaps. And as if half ashamed of her thought, she displayed a large basket made of rope, the like of which was used for carrying heavy burdens. It is strong, she whispered, and if there be no other way. This suggestion Ananias made known to Saul, where he sat apart, his face quite serene and untroubled, though many of the others were weeping aloud and lamenting. Yes, he said with a quiet smile, looking at the basket of ropes, it is a good thought. So doth God choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Then he called them all together and prayed with them, and blessed them, and bade them farewell. Afterward, with Ananias and one other for company, he made his way across the intervening roofs to the house of Ben-Eli. When it was now the dark hour before the dawn, and the sentries dozed at their posts, with all caution and secrecy they lowered Saul in the basket of ropes from a window which overhung the wall. The silence and the darkness received him, and there was neither sound nor motion. After a little they pulled gently upon the rope and felt no weight thereon. Then they knew that he was gone. End of chapter 12